0: Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Avert, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolstra, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Just me and Griggs this week, no guest. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. This is kind of fun. I like doing our uh, just do me shows. Yeah, we got to have those every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, for sure. Lots of sports going on. Uh let's talk let's start with the big story of the last week. Uh the NFL and Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reid, settle the collusion case. Griggs, the news here was this was getting set to go to uh, deposition. And things were going to have to come out on both sides that I don't think either side wanted coming out. And I specifically don't think the NFL wanted some of the things coming out. You know, Roger Goodell was probably going to be deposed. There could have been texts and emails that were released. But it's interesting to me because, remember, the NFL fought Tom Brady for like two years. The NFL does not go down easy on these types of cases. And I'm not saying they went down easy here, but they ultimately settled. We don't know what the payout was, but you've got to think to get Colin Kaepernick to settle because his whole brand has been, you know, I'm the guy who is fighting the system, so to speak. So for him to back down on this... They had to have given him a considerable amount of money. Yeah, I think you're right too.
1: It'd be interesting if that ever comes out because I'm curious on that too. When I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I wonder how that came out or what the total is on that because, but I think you're right. I think NFL doesn't want to have stuff come out. The text, the emails, it can get messy and this stuff especially can get messy. So I'm not surprised they settled at all, but
0: it'd be curious to see what the numbers are. My guess would be a hundred million at least. Um, I don't yeah. know what Eric Reed got, and Eric Reed has found another job. Colin Kaepernick has said said that he'd like to have another job in the NFL. Maybe this opens the door, or maybe Colin Kaepernick never plays another down in the NFL, and this becomes part of his uh, going forward. Is you know trying to right social injustices and and you know be a spokesperson for Nike and the other companies that he's worked with. But uh, it was interesting. It was kind of out of the blue. But if you really examine it, it makes sense because, as we said, I don't think people wanted certain facts or documents coming out in deposition. They were going to be pretty invasive. And I think the NFL said, you know, it's probably better for us to just write a big check than have some of that stuff come out.
1: My vote, too. I think he's done – Kaepernick has done so good off the field getting his brand and getting his whole thing going. I don't – See him playing another game. I think he's going to just keep going with what he's doing because it's it's worked well for him.
0: Yeah, I that's mean, just my opinion. The word I would use, and I I hesitate to use this word, but martyr. Yeah. So if he gets back on the field, that kind of goes away, right? And you know, there there were already the people on social media calling him a sellout. You know, he should have held out for more money. He didn't get enough. He caved in. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think you know he made his statement. He took his stand. He has uh, raised millions of dollars for organizations and and given to good causes. I think when the history books are all said and done, they're going to look back and go, well, you know, this is what he stood for. Now, there's a lot of things that he's done that I don't agree with. Yeah, but overall. He certainly has his right to take a stand on the issues that he believes in, and he was brave for doing that and convicted for doing that because there's a lot of people that would have gone, well, if it's going to cost me my job in the NFL or cost me endorsements or things like that, I'm not going to do that. But he did those things. He took that risk. But, look, I mean, we've joked on this show. The quarterbacks that have been signed in the last two years since he last played a game – there's no way that 25% of those quarterbacks are better than Colin Kaepernick. They're just not. I mean, these are the guy that the uh, Redskins signed last year that hadn't played in, like, seven years. (laughs) And and that guy is better than Colin Kaepernick. So it was pretty easy to see that there was collusion on some level going on here by the NFL owners. But long story short, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reid settle their grievance the collusion case with the NFL. Eric Reed, I think, signed a three-year extension with the Carolina Panthers. He had a really solid season for them last year. So now, I think, what remains, Griggs, as we just said, does Colin Kaepernick ever play again in the NFL? There were reports that uh, you know he wanted twenty million dollars to play in the new American Alliance of Football. Which, by the way, news came out today, uh, according to Darren Ravel, our friend, that. They miss payroll in Mm. week one. Ouch. So, you know, oh, they're on CBS and they got a better rating than, you know, NBA and da-da-da-da-da-da. You're missing payroll in week one. And, of course, they said it was like a technology glitch that, you know, led to that. But we'll see. I mean, that's not a great way to start your league with no. that news getting out that week one <laughs> of the season, you've missed payroll. Because a lot of people look at those leagues already, and they're like, all right, how long is that going to be around? Right. Is it going to be on shaky ground? Is it on solid footing? And you miss payroll in week one, and that automatically removes a lot of faith that people have in your fledgling league.
1: I agree. And it's it was weird. I don't know if you watched any of those games. And it's just... NFL's still king. I mean, it's like he just don't ha- doesn't have the same vibe. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it's, quote, football. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope they last, because it's cool.
0: I think XFL will be different. Yes,
1: I think XFL will be different. That's true. I do. I do think they'll be different, but it's still, it's just like I wa- tried to watch them this weekend and I just couldn't, couldn't watch it.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think XFL is going to overtake NFL. No. But I think XFL is going to be better than the American Alliance yeah, of football. Yeah, I think so. I think the fact that it's run by Vince McMahon and our friend Oliver Luck. Right. That I helps. think there's a lot of things. I and mean, I think the fact that they gave themselves a longer ramp to prepare, so they're starting in 2020, they weren't like, hey, we're going to throw this thing together and get it off the ground real quickly. Like, no, they're, they're doing it the right way. They're taking the proper steps to make sure that when they do launch, it's right. Um, let's move on and talk about NBA All-Star. I'm mixed because, you know, I've gone to NBA All-Star several times. I, I, you know, obviously used to work around the NBA and the Blazers. And I don't know. It, it's a big thing for sponsors. You know, people love to come together and network with each other. And uh, it's a great way for the league to showcase their talent. They do some terrific programs with NBA carers. And the players roll up their sleeves and give back to that community that they're in. In this case, Charlotte. There's some real positives around NBA All-Star Weekend. But the competition, to me, isn't one of them. And I know they changed up a few years ago. They're like, hey, we're not going to do conferences anymore. We're going to do you know, team captains, and the captains pick their team. And, yes, it's been more competitive. But I wasn't enamored with the dunk contest. I wasn't enamored with three-point contest. Uh, it doesn't help the NBA when no names win those things, right? So Joe Harris from the Brooklyn Nets wins three-point contest. Uh, I don't know what his odds were, but I would think he was probably last <laughs> on the board. Yeah. And then the guy from Oklahoma City who jumps over Shaq wins the dunk contest, but it just didn't have the same electricity to it that past dunk contests have had. And, you know, I don't know what they do. We've talked about this for 15 years on this show. What do they do to incentivize the best dunkers to come out? You know, like I saw a back and forth with... uh Donovan Mitchell and Giannis, and hey, if you participate next year, I'll participate next yeah. year. And by the way, it's in Chicago next year, which is great. And you know, Michael Jordan won the dunk contest there. But if you get guys like that participating now, you got something. I mean, look, I always say trace everything back to the money. There's a reason Sprite gave up the sponsorship of the dunk contest. There's a there's a reason Kia gave up the sponsorship of the dunk contest they weren't going to sponsor a contest that had like g-league players in it anymore they wanted jordan and dominique and kobe and you know the prime dunkers that used to participate in this years ago it's g-league guys now and it's guys that aren't stars anymore and it really loses its luster
1: I think that's the big key because, I mean, I remember watching when I was a kid. It was Dominique. It was Jordan. It right. was the stars. You want to see LeBron and You want to see Kobe and You want to see these guys. That's what I think entices people to watch because, I mean, I love the NBA. I was going to watch no matter what. I watch it every time. But it's like, yeah, same thing. I'm like, who's this guy? I've never even seen him play on OKC. And he had, you know, some cool dunks, but it's like nobody knows who they are. So I can't. it takes away a little bit of luster. And I think you're right when Donovan Mitchell and some of the guys that are, you know, people know who they are that's going to have the tune-in and get sponsors back, too.
0: I think the big winner for the weekend was LeBron, because A, his team wins. B, he got great time with his guys, right? He got to hang out with KD. <laughs> he got to hang out with Anthony Davis. There was a really funny picture of the two of them greeting each other and their kind of <laughs> grins they had on their face when they were greeting each other. Hang yeah. out with Kyrie. I saw Kyrie and KD talking. Like, Network. (laughs) Exactly. If you could have been a fly on the wall this weekend, hearing some of those private conversations, hey, you want to come play with me here? You want to go do this there? What are we going to do this offseason? Let's get our teams together, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Guarantee you that was discussed this weekend, whether it was LeBron approaching guys, KD approaching guys. I don't get the sense that we're going to see LeBron and KD playing together. So I think what's happened here is – If KD goes to New York, who's he bringing with him? Is he bringing Kyrie? Is he bringing AD? Is he bringing someone else? If LeBron, you know, gets his way in L.A., is he going to bring AD? Is he going to get Kyrie? Like, what's going to happen here? But I think you can kind of say that there's a little bit of a competition between KD and LeBron as to who they're going to get to come play with them. Because I think it's pretty apparent that KD, who, by the way, won MVP of the All-Star game, is going to go uh, play in New York next year. Another thing, I have a little bit of an axe to grind with KD. And, you know, I, I like KD as a player a lot. I like, uh, you know, his team around him, Rich Kleiman. But how do you have a press conference like he had 10 days ago, rip into the media, then the next day or two days later, make the morning media circuit promoting your new show, Boardroom, on ESPN, and then when you win MVP, you know, you act like nothing happened. So I have a problem with the athletes who only talk on their terms, only talk about the topics that they want to discuss, Uh you know him telling people to grow up but then the next day he's out shilling things here's the deal if you're an athlete if you cooperate with the media they're going to promote that kind of stuff when you come to them and say i have a tv show i have a new line of clothing i have whatever going on they're going to go you know what he's cooperative with us we're going to be cooperative with him we'll help him out but if you have a press conference like he had and then you say hey the next day, I want you to promote the boardroom on ESPN Plus, and I want you to promote my new shoe from Nike, and I want you to promote my center in Washington DC that I just opened up for, for young people. It doesn't work that way. So I- I'm a little disappointed that he and frankly, Rich Kleiman can't see the fact that that's not how it works. You gotta cooperate. And I know KD's KD, but I- I'm telling you this right now. If he wasn't All-Star Game MVP, if he wasn't NBA Finals MVP, if he wasn't League MVP, if he wasn't the player he was, let's say that he's a bench guy. There's no way in the world that anyone would put up with his shenanigans.
1: Yeah, and I think he's one of the guys I've really seen through his career change more with that. I think when he came in, he was soft and he was... Obviously, it's workable. And it's just the last couple of years, he seems like he's just got this hard-ass attitude. Like, I don't angry, want to talk Katie. to you. Yeah, angry. He's like, I'm like, get over it, man. You got to – you the reason you're where you are is because of the support and the sponsors and the people and the media getting your stuff out there. And now, all of a sudden,
0: you hate everybody. Well, and you say, I just want to play basketball. No, you don't. Because no. you're doing the boardroom. Yeah. You're doing all these other things. You're opening up a center, which right. is fantastic. But you're not just playing basketball. You're doing other things. You want people to promote those other things. So understand you gotta play the game. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of things I don't like about LeBron James. He understands how to play the game. Yeah, He plays it pretty well. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think that was disappointing for me with KD. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see the second half of the season. Cause I think Griggs, one of the biggest things I'm gonna watch the second half of the season is KD one foot out the door to New York. <laughs> yeah. Or is he gonna engage and play at a high level and help the Warriors win another title? Is there going to be friction in that locker room as people sense he may be leaving? And the bigger story to me, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Buecher, is now that the AD trade wasn't made for the Lakers and LeBron is fighting for a playoff spot and may not make the playoffs for the first time in his career, do we see sulking, brooding, sabotage LeBron (laughs) in L.A.? with the Lakers? And does that thing just completely go off the ledge? And I'm going to say something right now that people are going to go, Burger, that's the dumbest hot take I've ever heard in my life. I don't think they could do it because I think they would be laughed out of the league. I've heard some rumblings that if the Lakers could part ways with LeBron, that they would do it. That they didn't anticipate just how much he hijacks a franchise. And that some in the Laker organization still want to see where these young players grow and how they grow. And they weren't willing to trade the entire roster to make LeBron happy to get AD on the team. So, uh, again, I don't think that the Lakers could ever justify to the public, hey, we just traded LeBron. One of the great players of this generation and a guy, frankly, who makes you more relevant and allows you to charge a lot more money for your courtside seats in L.A. than if he's not on the team. But if you're giving everyone there a truth serum, he's a royal pain in the ass. And they didn't understand just how much he hijacks your franchise until he's actually in your organization. And I think that's been a point of frustration. It's very obvious he wants Luke Walton gone. He wants his own coach in there who he can control, whether it's Ty Lue or Jason Kidd or someone else. But I think that's been something that uh, hasn't been reported. And I, I get the the feeling that the vibe there is, ooh, you know, be careful what you wish for. We really wanted LeBron here, and we see how he helps us make money. But as far as our organization, yikes. Uh, Griggs, something else I want to talk about is uh, the New York Knicks. So Bill Simmons on his podcast, and I really like his podcast, uh, was talking this week and said that he had heard rumblings that for the right price, James Dolan would sell the Knicks. Now, James Dolan himself, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, came out and said essentially the same thing, for the right price... If someone offered me $5 billion, we're going to look at that, right? The Knicks, as soon as this Bill Simmons story came out, they issue a statement saying, we have no interest in selling the Knicks and da 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 da, da. Look, I said after the Porzingis trade, I tweeted this out, and I think I mentioned it here on the show. There's never been a better time for James Dolan to sell the Knicks, and here's why. A, You've got the promise of what lies ahead, right? Remember, we talked about how with Buecher, the NBA sells hope and promise better than any other league. So you've got the hope that you might have the number one pick in the draft because the Knicks are going to be in the lottery, right? And that number one pick could be Zion Williamson. Number two, you've got $71 million in cap space, more than any other team. So you can sign two max players, one, could be KD. So if you're James Dolan and you're quietly shopping this and you can say, hey look, you pay $5 billion, I'll sell to you and if you play your cards right, if you're lucky enough, this roster could have Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant and another Max guy on the roster next year and you buy this thing at just the right time. Now, if the Knicks screw this up, And let's say they get the sixth or seventh pick, which they have no control over. If they don't get a big free agent to come, your $5 billion that you were asking for, (laughs) mm, it's 3 or $4 billion. And people can go, it's only a billion dollars. It's a billion dollars. A billion, not a million. A billion dollars. So the hope that exists right now with this franchise, you can sell the hope to a new owner, and trust me, there's a lot of owners out there, or a lot of people who have a lot of money, who would love to buy the Knicks, and love to be the ones to turn them around, and they think they can run it better than Dolan, which probably wouldn't be hard, but they'll (laughs) buy it based on those two things that I just gave you. We might get the number one pick in Zion Williamson, and we might get Katie and another Max player, and boom, we're back in business, and I, the new owner, am going to be the charm of the NBA and the charm of New York, and we're finally going to bring a title to the Knicks. Griggs, I think Dolan is not smart at all if he doesn't sell now.
1: Yeah, it's got to be now. I think you're right. The key word is the hope. You're selling the hope because yeah. that is, I mean, that sounds enticing. Talk about KD. You talk about you're in New York. You got a good young coach in Fizz. You got lots of promising Things that are kind of there on the on the bubble, right? But you just don't know in six months if that bubble is going to be blown up or if it's going to be solid. It's well, crazy. yeah, I
0: mean, in late May, we're going to know where the Knicks are yeah, picking. A couple months, right? And month. it might not be number one. Yeah, might not be number two or three. And you're going to know in June if KD's coming to you, right? And not and and right. if those things don't go your way, now the hope is not nearly as great as it is as it is today, right? Where you can say, look, and and another thing that owners look for when they're going to buy a team, am I inheriting a team that has a huge payroll? I got to pay luxury tax, all this stuff. The Knicks are clean right now. They traded their worst contracts with KP, so they got a clean payroll. So you're basically buying. Here's what it is for those of you out there who want it in layman's terms. You There's a house at the end of the street. It's a nice house got a lot of promise you can visualize how you can remodel this house and make it better do you want to buy it now or do you want to see if it falls (laughs) apart and gets older and that's kind of what it comes down to here so again i think james dolan if the right offer came in and i think what is it the rockets have the the highest sale price to date and it was over two billion dollars but this is the knicks and you know forbes has rated them the number one highest valued franchise in the league and comes with things other than just the knicks but if i'm james dolan i'm selling now on the high and with the hope in the future yep uh the new orleans pelicans fired dell demps And Griggs, we could do a whole show on this, but first of all, our friend David Stern said he's a terrible GM, and this is after he botched the Chris Paul trade years ago. He told us that in 2016 at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. He's reiterated it since. You don't hear Stern come out very often and just say, yeah, that guy's a really bad GM. Like I don't think I've heard him say that about anyone else other than Dell Demps, so that should tell you something. The other thing is, the Pelicans are a mess, so Tom Benson, the owner, died. The Ex, or the wife, Gail Benson, inherits the team after a long, drawn-out court battle with the kids. So she's, I think, on her third marriage to Tom Benson, comes in, gets the team. God, there were some red flags there. <laughs> but uh, I guess Tom didn't see those. Obviously, the family did. Lots of legal proceedings. But the Pelicans are being run partially by the Saints and Mickey Loomis. They're looking for a top-notch GM, but Griggs, if you're a top-notch GM and you have to answer to someone who runs a football team like Mickey Loomis, no offense against Mickey Loomis because he's very good in the NFL realm, but I don't want to answer to him if I'm a top-flight NBA GM, why am I taking that job? And your first order of business is probably to trade Anthony Davis, your (laughs) cornerstone player. So where do I sign up for that (laughs) deal? I mean, that's not a good deal. <laughs> like, if I'm a GM, unless I'm someone who's really wanting my first job as a GM and I want to just say I'm one of the 30 GMs, like, you're coming in to clean up Ugh. a sewer. Yeah. It, it, it's a bad deal. you got to trade your best player, and you've got to deal with people who have a football mentality. They share facilities, the Saints and the Pelicans, on a lot of different things, and uh, it's uh there's just not a great commitment. I mean— Honestly, if I was gonna contract NBA franchises, New Orleans is, is one of the first. And I know that, you know, David Stern after Hurricane Katrina and a lot of the people at the league really wanted to make that work in New Orleans. It's not working. It's not working at all. So as a scenario, how much better would the league be if you turned the Pelicans into a Seattle franchise and you relocated the Pelicans to Seattle? Now you've got a healthy, thriving market that's craving NBA basketball that shouldn't have lost an NBA team to begin with, and you don't have them paired with an NFL franchise. You get rid of Gail Benson, who has no business owning an NBA team. None. The only business she has is that she was the wife of someone who died. And this is where, this is going to sound harsh, there needs to be a law put in place in the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, that if someone dies and someone else inherits the team, if they're not qualified to run the team, the league needs to step in. Like, there there needs to be qualified ownership. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to be a good pro sports owner, and there needs to be a certain level of knowledge and integrity and involvement to make that franchise competitive and successful. And I, you know, the stat I saw, I think seven owners in major league pro sports have died in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is these teams are being handed over to people who are not capable of running the franchise. And the only credential they have is that they were married or related to the person who died. And that's not good enough. I mean, there's way too much at stake here. These aren't just sports teams anymore. These are multi-billion dollar corporations. You've got city agreements. You've got agreements with the leagues. The Pelicans are an afterthought to the Benson family because the Saints are number one on their priority list.
1: Yeah, it's like it's kind of the Saints little brother or little sister where it's just there kind of floating around. Right. And it's been, like you said, really a pretty much disaster from the get-go. And you can just see it and sense it. It just doesn't fit right it doesn't flow right there's all kinds of things missing and like you said too it's it's so much more being an owner than just having money i mean you see with lebron what he's did with garber and in cleveland it's just these guys work together and they have to have be on board with a good owner that can help the team grow and get the right coaches and management and all that involved and and new orleans
0: doesn't have it yeah so we'll see what happens there but uh i have a feeling the uh pelicans are going to have a rough next few months and I mean we'll finish this topic Griggs when your best player your franchise player is being booed yeah and when he leaves the game this was so unprofessional of AD and I'll say Rich Paul his agent who was at that game right before the all-star game Pelicans have a game Anthony Davis gets hurt supposedly (laughs) hurts his shoulder leaves the game doesn't go back to the locker room doesn't see the Pelicans training staff Leaves the arena with the agent and goes to the hospital to get checked out. How do you just leave in the middle of a game when you have an organization paying you tens of millions of dollars, and then later you text the coach, "Oh yeah, I left the game and went to the hospital." Really? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, that's so unprofessional. Yeah, and and I got to tell you, I'm not sold on Anthony Davis. Mm -mm. Like, I don't know that his he's he has all the skills to be a great player, but. Why isn't he carrying that team? He's in his seventh year in the NBA. Why Why have you not done better to date? And I think his motor is clearly motivated by certain things. When he's scoring three points in a game, when you have the skills that he has, and he shuts his motor down, essentially, mm-hmm. I don't like that no. at all. All right, last topic, uh, Daytona 500. Our friend Kevin Harvick was on last week. Uh, where did, you said he
1: finished eighth? Well, when I was I didn't watch the end of it, but he was in that range when yeah. I was watching. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'll tell you what the the takeaway for me from the race, which Denny Hamlin won, and it was really cool story around you know J D Gibbs died and here uh Hamlin races for Gibbs Racing, and I mean there were a lot of really cool storylines around that. Yeah, but the wreck with like three laps to go, the twenty car wreck. <laughs> yeah. And it took, I think the stat I saw, an hour and twenty nine minutes to finish the last twenty laps. Holy cow! (laughs) Like that's terrible for TV. Yeah, it's terrible for the fans when you've got that many stoppages. And I know you can't do anything about it, but first of all, I don't watch a lot of racing. Hmm. I remember seeing a twenty car wreck or an eighteen car wreck. Yeah, and all the you know cars catching fire, and thank God no one was seriously hurt. But that was crazy. Yeah. And it's, you know, really down towards the end. It's not like this was early on. Can you imagine? I was watching this, and, and I remember when Kevin said this last week, part of the race is avoiding the wrecks. Yeah. Like, when you're in that and you see, you know, 17 cars around you on fire and coming at you, just avoiding that wreck? is really a task. Well, in those cars,
1: they just explode. There's tires flying. Right. There's bumpers flying. It's yeah. not like there's just a car in your way. There's stuff going everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I, I that is kind of the, you can see when the, those wrecks happen and get drivers trying to get around stuff and keep going. It's, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that hour and 29 minutes, that just kills the TV and the audience yeah. participation and all that. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I've never been to a live race. I don't know what you do when you have that delay as a fan sitting there, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting sport for sure.
0: Yeah. I think the thing with NASCAR and, and, you know, we love talking to Kevin Harvick. It's very popular, but I think it's so much, a, it's a regional sport. Yeah. And in the South, it's huge. And I, you know, you're blown away by the number of people that you see with campers and people at the Daytona 500, but I don't, think it resonates with people on the west coast or in other parts of the country um so we'll see how they they uh do in the future but you know it was their biggest showcase and i thought it was a good race but for those reasons with the hour and 29 minutes for the last 20 laps and you know some of the other things that happened it wasn't one of those things where i'm like oh my god like this was phenomenal all right very last thing griggs uh I had the extreme pleasure of going to see a performer that was on my bucket list last night, Justin Timberlake. And, you know, we've seen him at the ESPYs. We've seen him at the Super Bowl halftime show. We've seen him. I think he hosts a PGA Tour event. He's a mm-hmm. great golfer and, you know, scratch golfer. Like he, he's one of those guys. I would say he's top five performer alive today. Yeah. Versatile. I got to tell you, you know, I've been to a lot of concerts. When I used to work at the Blazers, I would go to concerts all the time. And, you know, I saw Garth Brooks. I saw Prince. I saw Aerosmith. I saw, you know, Billy Joel and Elton John. I've seen some great performers. I'm not sure I've seen anyone as versatile as Justin Timberlake. The guy has an incredible voice. Yep. And you can tell, like... I am seasoned enough now after going to sound checks and being around enough concerts, you can tell who's singing and you can tell who's lip syncing. Yeah. Okay? He's singing. And God, does he have a good voice. Number two, he can play multiple instruments. So he's playing guitar. He's playing piano. He is an incredible dancer. And he has other dancers that join him on stage. His band, I would say, other than Garth Brooks and Sting... Also have great bands accompanying them. The best band I've ever seen for any performer that I've seen. But his set, dude, it, listen to this, Greg. At one point, so it's Man in the Woods, right? Album. At one point, I'm not kidding you. On the stage, a campfire comes up from the bottom, nice, and they're sitting around the campfire. Like they have trees. It was it was crazy. Like Taylor Swift has some great staging and production around her show. I've been to U2. This was really creative and innovative. I was like, whoa, there's a campfire on stage. Like, I used to have to deal with the fire marshal when I worked (laughs) with the Blazers, and you have to get the pyro, and all that kind of stuff worked out in advance. I was like, I'd love to see the fire marshal coming in. Oh, so you got a campfire coming up through the stage. Let's see how that works. Get the s'mores out. (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, literally, you could have. You could have made s'mores on stage.
1: Justin's great. I saw him last time he was in Portland, and I agree with you 100. He is his band's phenomenal. I've watched. I think Netflix. He has a documentary, and he talk about a team. This guy builds yeah. a team. Right. These guys are all the best. Yeah, the the dancers, the yeah. pro, the prod team, the stage crew. He's built an an epic team where they. You can just see it when he performs. Everybody's on. They love Justin. They love what they're doing. You can see it. It sounds great. It looks great. I. Lo- that's probably my favorite concert I've been to.
0: Now the other thing is uh he. Where's Jordan brand? Yeah. Right. And he gave a shout out to the Jordan peeps that were at the concert. I'm, I'm sure some of the Nike and Jordan brand folks were there. Uh, we had good seats, but we weren't down on the floor where I think they were. Uh, so, you know, and then he, he changes Jordan shoes throughout the show. So right. comes out with one pair. At one point he had a pair of ducks, Oregon ducks with the O, yeah. you know, Jordan shoes on. So, you know, he's got those deals. I have been to, an arena concert in a while. I've gone to a lot of stadium concerts, but I mean, there's so much uh advertising around it too. This tour is brought to you by so-and-so. Yeah, You know, there's commercials. It's almost like when you're going to the movies and yeah. they have like the trailers, Right. you have this stuff. But the one thing I didn't like, and you know, I get the building anticipation and stuff, but like if the show's supposed to start at seven 30 and you come out at like nine or nine 10 yeah. and I'm there with my 14 year old daughter and I don't want to sound like, you know, old dude, <laughs> Um, but God, come out, like, let the opening act go for 45 minutes or an hour. But there was like a DJ. No one cares about the DJ. There was another opening act. I, like, I get the dragging out the anticipation, but people are paying top dollar to see you. Now, he did perform for two hours, so he was great, but it was a late night. But Griggs, I would say I put him in my top three concerts I've ever seen. And, and again, I've probably seen... 75 to 100 concerts. So I've seen a lot of concerts. Cause I used to be yeah. around the concerts all the time. So that's high praise coming sure. from me. Um, but he is just so versatile and so all around and, uh, great sense of humor. And, you know, he had postponed his show from November cause supposedly he had vocal cord problems. Right. But, uh, you know, it was a great experience. He was on my bucket list. Are there any performers mm. on your bucket list that you're like, God... Like, I always regret... I really wanted to see Michael Jackson.
1: That's mine, too. He yeah. died.
0: Yep. Um You know, obviously, it would have been amazing to see Sinatra or Elvis For or the sure. Beatles. Those are iconic groups. But I can't imagine, even back then, that anyone would have had the production and the versatility of Justin Timberlake. Like, I just... Yeah. I don't see how you could top what I watched last night.
1: In her heyday, Madonna would be one I would, yeah, would like that's to see. True. Um but yeah, MJ, Madonna. I've seen a couple classic rock bands, Bon Jovi and you know the yeah. Aerosmiths and those. Uh, but, is there yeah. anyone around today that you're like Taylor Swift I haven't seen, so okay. I'd like to see Taylor. She's I'd, great. She looks yeah, that'd be cool. So that's probably my number one right now if I had to see somebody it would be Taylor. Yeah. She's in
0: she's either in my top three or four. She yeah. was phenomenal too. Also, someone who can play instruments and really right. sings, right, and can dance, and you know gets out there. Like I, what I don't like is the shows where they charge a ton of money and they go out and play for like an hour, hour yeah, and no, fifteen, that's not worth and it. you're like, give me a break. But like the people who go out, like JT or you know, I love Elton John and Billy Joel, and I've yeah. seen them together, I've seen them separately, and the people who go out and play for like two and a half, three hours, that's great. yep, and you're like, man, and and the other thing is, I was thinking when I was watching JT is. You gotta be in great shape. For sure. Cause you're moving around, you're dancing, you're not just like standing at a mic going right. Yeah. You are you are like performing. You're yep. playing the guitar. You to do that for two hours or two and a half or three hours straight, man. Like I was because he he's still young, but he's not he's not in his twenties. No. Anymore.
1: And you know, it's like there's so much involved too. Think of all the stuff you have to remember. Each song you're choreographed. You're standing here. This guitar's coming from the left. This mic's coming up from here. I'm going over here on stage left. There's a lot you're remembering, not just
0: singing. You're, you gotta be in all these different places to make it look cool. Yeah. That's crazy. The other thing is too that really comes out in his concert is that he's from Memphis. So like he comes out and he's got a jacket on and it says Memphis on the back, but his band is Memphis. Like you got a little blues, you got a little rock and roll, got a little Elvis, like they're, are clear ties to Memphis when you watch him, and I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's just a pop star." That guy can get it done on any level. Like if you said go unplugged and just play guitar, like I love his video, uh saying something with uh yeah, yeah. Chris Stapleton, yeah, and Cross I kind of when, when he did that song last night, I was like, God, wouldn't that be cool if Chris Stapleton walked out right now I and know. you know joined him on stage because I love Chris Stapleton too, yeah. but. His band, the bass player and the drummers and the guitar players. I mean, like you said, he goes out and he gets the best of the best and they join him on stage. They all have their Mm -hmm. roll down to a T. They all look happy out there. You know, it's not like, Oh, I'm doing another show. Get me off the stage. Like they're, they're having a good time out there and it translates to the audience. Um, I will say there were some people last night. That uh, had a few drinks. Like, I've never understood that. You pay 250 bucks for a concert ticket, and you go get so hammered that you barely even remember the show. I don't get that either. And, like, one of the things when I used to work for the Blazers and I'd go to concerts and I was working in a concert night, I would stop by the drunk tank. <laughs> it was like a game, like, let's go see the the zoo animals in the drunk tank and see just how drunk they are. <laughs> and they're doing crazy things in there. But why do you pay that much money to go to a concert? I don't get it either. If you're not even going to remember it because you're so blitzed or hammered or you wind up in the in the drunk tank. So there were a lot of those yeah. last night, but I would say most of his crowd was... Single women. The single women love JT. (laughs) Oh, my God. And they, you know, oh, Justin. He's not seeing you or looking at you. He's married to Jessica. No need to. No need to. (laughs) At least in my mind, that's how I hope it works out. I think so. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, a lot of teenage girls like my daughter. Sure. That like him and like his music, and like his dancing and, and all that stuff. So, overall, you know, I give JT a 10 out of 10. And, uh, you know, he's kind of joined, he was actually the first member. Like, if I'm looking at people who can just do it all, Tony Romo seems to be a guy that can play golf and played football and he's a great broadcaster. Like, you look at that guy and you go, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> and JT's the same way. You can put him in any element, hosting the ESPYs, hosting the Oscars or the Grammys, on stage at a concert, playing golf in a golf tournament, around athletes, around entertainers, around politicians, anyone and he's going to thrive in that setting. So, uh glad I got to check one off my bucket list, Griggs. Any uh final parting thoughts for you parting, before we wrap up thoughts. this uh, edition of Sports Business Radio? Uh we covered a lot. We and did I, cover am, a lot. I am
1: excited about the New York Knicks story. I think that's going to be an interesting next couple months for them. Okay. So I'm I'm curious how that's going to come out.
0: Now, we are close to having an announcement, hopefully, on our next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented yes. by Boingo. Uh, we're probably going to be in Los Angeles, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, it will be a big guest, someone very prominent and newsworthy, and we hope to have that confirmed very soon. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows, wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivid Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and university stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. I want to welcome ZipRecruiter to our family of sponsors. Again, really happy to have them on board. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. Happy to have them on board. And thanks again to our new partner, the Robinhood app. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at sbradio.robinhood.com. That's sbradio.robinhood.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the tune in radio and stitcher apps. And of course at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB radio. Follow us on Instagram at sports business radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon right here on sports business radio. Sports business radio with Brian Berger
1: bringing you the biggest names in sports business.
0: Without further ado, we all know this, gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach, David Fizdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon, Chris Everett. He was very interesting. You ask great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure.
1: Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.